seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 224, I think that's the number we're up to, of Color of Magic, your magic gaming podcast where we talk about all types of issues that affect gamers at and away from their gaming tables and computers. I am your host, Duplon Watson, and for 224 episodes, still have my main man who survived a technology breakdown this week, Brian Allen. How's it going? Yeah, it's a... (laughs) Semi dead computer <laughs> behind me, so if I'm, well, I, I, it's been crazy. I have not had enough sleep. <laughs> I just, man, it's. Hey, you know when people talk about like having backups, like we live in a world where I think you have to have a backup computer in your house, even if it's just yeah, a laptop yeah. right. or a a beat up machine that you replaced. But don't just toss it out. Keep it in case your main machine breaks, because exactly. sometimes that's what we are on. This is actually the machine we started the podcast on low 224 episodes ago. There you go. Like sometimes like and it, even before I replaced my laptop, I kept my beater for a long time. That was my travel laptop. If I had an emergency, you know, then I eventually replaced it. So there's something to having that. But man, we got a lot to cover in this show. I mean, we got everything from wizard stuff, stuff with Riot. There's some layoffs. There's, oh my God, you name it. There's there's all kinds of things. We're we're hoping there's a week where we don't have a bunch of layoffs, but we're almost a whole month in and that hadn't happened yet. So The one thing I will say is we at least have some good news to go with the bad news in this episode. So there's, it's not all dreary. (laughs) But before we get into it, don't forget to support our sponsor over at CoolStuffInc.com. Use code DRAGON. You can save 5% on your entire order. And you can get all types of stuff that's not even magic. So go check it out. They got a lot of sweet stuff. And they always have cool stuff in stock. Remember to use the code DRAGON. Or, or maybe I should say AND, you could go to Patreon.com slash ColorMagic and get a shout out for supporting us just like Mike, our newest Patreon. And I have to say... Mike doesn't have his last name on there, so you just have to know who you are, Mike. <laughs> but thanks just the same. And you the go to one Kobe. name, like Madonna, you know. Yeah, exactly. Kobe, LeBron, you know. It's just one name. It's Mike. That's all you need to know. Yep, that's exactly it. You go to colorofmtg.com slash shop, and you can get some merchandise as well, some tokens, some playmats, all that good stuff. But that does lead us to our lead story, which we mentioned this a couple weeks ago, that when Wizard said there was going to be limited quantities of stuff in secret layers, there was likely going to be at least one that was going to be popular and sell out, and people were going to be upset about it. Lo and behold, it was the first one. <laughs> it, it only took one, as it turns out. But, I mean, the, okay. First off, just a situation. This was Secret Lair Cats and Dogs that had lots of popular cards in it. Cool double-faced pseudo-commanders and stuff for this one, which were kind of sweet. Lots going for it. People like their pets. People like cats. People like dogs. All the previous commander decks had sold well, so we kind of all knew this one was going to sell. The price for what you were getting wasn't bad. It was $150, and it was a pretty much a packed deck, which is great. Sold out in less than six hours. Obviously not everybody. And I'll be honest. I'm one of the people who wanted one. I was busy doing some stuff. 
I was like, I'll get to it later. Apparently later was too late. So is what it is. I'm not that bent out of shape about it because it's all reprints. My world's not going to end because I don't have them. But yeah, it would have been nice to have it. But there were a lot of people who were mad. And we knew people were going to be mad because they had money ready to go. Some people got in the queue late and weren't able to make a purchase. And then the question becomes, is this the smartest business move? Right? Because, because there's two lines of thought here. You either do something like this with an idea of maybe another commander deck or two coming down the pipe that you hope to sell a lot of, right? So you get people geared up with their FOMO, right? Like, ah, I missed it. I really wanted it, but this one's pretty sweet. So I got to make sure I'm in there, whatever. And maybe you increase the print runs of those later ones, 20, 30% or whatever, so you can make more of them. But the other side of this too is if we're going to call Wizards greedy, because, you know, Hasbro, corporate, whatever, business is business. The goal is to make money. Would we want to set up a system that makes the most money? Right? If you have, I mean, obviously, I don't see the entirety of the internet, but I feel like I saw at least a couple hundred people talking about it. So I'm assuming there's at least a thousand or two that would have wanted it or bought it. Now, obviously, some people are just complaining to be part of the complainers and they weren't going to buy it anyway. Like, we know how the internet works. But let's say even if it's another 500 to 1,000, but uh, 150 a shot, like that could be another $150,000 that they just left on the table. You know, like, I, I don't know. I feel like there's got to be a better system. You know, like, maybe the plan should be, I don't know, something like set it up for 24 hours, 48 hours, a really small window of time. So, like, you have to make the order during this window or not. And then everybody has a shot, right? There's no reason you, like, you knew what was coming. They send you a reminder email before it goes live. Like, we all know we have all day to go buy it. Then, cool, it's a small window to order. You get your orders in, you start printing them, whatever. Because the issue is there are real situations where people may have been at work or in a meeting or working on some project or whatever, where they just couldn't have their cell phone or couldn't get to the site long enough to make an order. As soon as you get a break, it's already sold out. So, like, even if you had every intention to buy it and you wanted to, you just can't, right? Like, that that's a little tough. But the other side of that is, I think previously we left it open for, what, were they open for, like, a month on some of the previous secret layers? It seems like some were up for so long that people just either forgot about them or had an intention to buy them, just thought they'd be up forever and then missed it. Or, to some extent, because there were so many secret layers, some of them overlapped. Right? So you had some that came out like on week three of this other one being up, but then its window closes at the end of the week one or whatever, and it got kind of kind of jumbled. So yeah, I don't know, man. I, I, how do you feel about this? Because like we sort of saw this coming, you know? I mean, I, I think they want the Taylor Swift ticket effect where, you know, everybody wants it and they're upset if they don't get it. But then the downside of that is when you don't get the, the tickets, you know, you feel bad and you go tell everybody how bad you feel. It's... But again, that's the thing, because this wouldn't have been the lead story if it hadn't turned out like this. I'm sure we're not, every podcast that talks about magic, I'm sure we'll be talking about this and letting people know that, hey, if you want to get it next time, you better get in that queue. And I mean, that's, you know, some of the best advertising you can get is people falling all over themselves to get your product, as opposed to like you said before, whereas, hey, I'll get to it. 
and people didn't get to it. Like, if you do that next time, you could already know you won't get this. Yeah, I mean, you're right. There's something to be said about that, right? Like, it's, it's free press, if nothing else. I mean, maybe you figure in, we didn't make the money on sales, but maybe we made some of that money in advertising. Technically, you know, free advertising, but it's advertising you didn't have to pay for. <laughs> and so, maybe, you know, they do up the print run by like maybe start out a couple of hundred each time till they figure out where the number is. Cause obviously there's gotta be some middle ground between yeah. you get wait a month and you still don't you get around to buying it till it's gone in six hours. And they just I guess now gotta find what the middle ground is. So Yeah, I don't I think you wanna get like it's this weird sweet spot, even from when I had a retail store, right? And something was a hot product. Like you want to get enough that like somewhere around like 85% of the people who want it are able to get it from you, right? So you're still like the place to go get it and people are excited about things and know you're in the know and you always have the hot thing. But you want there to be just a little bit of FOMO, just a little bit for the people who miss out. Like, ah, yeah, I should have came in last Friday or yeah, I should have responded to that email when you asked who wanted them or yeah, maybe I should have put in a pre-order, Right. You want just That's enough of that. what you're supposed to do with, you know, that thing that, you know, we're, we're going to talk so much about collectibles and trying to to, to get things before anybody else today is just. The yeah, thing. it's it's an interesting idea. Like, again, it's the first one since they've made the change. So, you know, I'm not going to beat it up too much. It's just we'll see what the fallout is from this or how things change on future ones. But I don't know if this is the best model overall. But, you know, maybe they see the numbers, they fix it. Maybe they intended for this to happen. Who knows? But it's something to keep an eye on for future secret layers. And do future ones sell out faster or not as more people rush in to buy them? Right? That would be the other thing. Because we don't know what quantities are going to be right now. So there's And then, you know, sometimes you think you're like, because I, I think we all all felt like dogs and cats living together <laughs> was, was going to be a banger. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll see how some of the other ones do. I don't know. What, it, I think we discussed this before. Like, what would you say is probably you think feel like the worst selling one so far? Oh, gosh. Uh, boy, I'd have to go back and look. There have been like 150 secret layers or something now. Oh, my like, God. There's, 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 been a, there's been a big number. Right. I'd, I'd have to go back and see what the actual worst ones were. I don't Maybe not 150, but it feels like about 100 or so. It's been a lot. I'd have to go I back feel like and, and with, with this model, it does seem like you won't, you know, you won't end up with any left over. And that may be the thing they're trying to avoid. Like, hey, nothing left. Like a bunch of people got it and everybody that did well, not everybody, but a lot of people that didn't get it were upset that they didn't get it. Well, and then before, it becomes... before they were print to order. And I think that the issue becomes just the printing process, right? Because at some point, you know, if you end up selling a bunch of them, well, you got to have more time on the printers, boxes, storage, shipping, whatever. That's in the way of all the other stuff you're trying to do or print. And and not just products for sale. I mean, people forget you're still printing promos for stores, posters, promotional materials, whatever, right? Like there's a bunch of things that get printed in some of these same facilities. So and you want to make sure you're not firing the press up for, I don't know, 30 or 40 yeah, of them. Yeah. So you want to make sure that if you're setting the whole machine in motion, you're also, I think the thing that it, uh, this is like, we, we talked about some pre-show and disagree, but like, I feel really with the limited commodity thing, like when I, the last thing I queued for, I think was the video game consoles, the new ones. 
and they didn't let you buy more than one. You couldn't, because obviously scalpers would at that point have bought as many as they could and used bots and people that just wanted to get one, God forbid, because they like Spider-Man, weren't able to get one. So that's, I think I think, I think we need to consider having some kind of limit here, because right now, is there even a limit? There is, but it's pretty high, if I remember right. Like, the thing I would say, though, is I do think it's easier to just print more magic cards and have a bigger number than it is to print more extra, I don't know, PS5s or whatever the case is. Especially when you got chip shortages and things. Yeah. So, I mean, we could just make more. I think the issue is the limited quantity, right? If they're going to be limited, then how do you deal with this, regulate it, how many people get it? Because, like, I don't have a problem with people getting two copies of a thing and doing like the comic book thing, even of just like, I want to play with one and I want to store one. All right, cool. You have your collectors that want to have, that, a, but have a pristine like set two, and you want to play with the set or whatever. Like, okay, I feel like two fine. probably needs to be the limit. And then I'd probably, I would say queue up, get one. And then if there's a, that, that's back when top shot was a huge thing. That's kind of what they did. Like, okay, you can queue up. You're allowed to buy one, you know, if, if you, get in the queue and then if for some reason like now you know nfts are not a huge thing anymore so now you, you get to go back into the queue because there's going to be plenty left over but when it was hot you got one pack and then in the highly unlikely event there were any left over you got to go back in and that's probably i guess a better parallel since it's interesting kind of card based and, and yeah. again they can print as many i guess digital <laughs> highlights sure. of things as they want yeah, it's it's a tough thing. Like I don't have a pro now, I do think there is enough like I don't think anybody needs to be buying ten. You know, I think that's yeah, crazy. That's, you're obviously a scalper at that point. You know, but like out, outside of maybe I might be able to make a little bit of room for like a retail account if you had something set up where they could buy them, sell them, whatever. But that's kind of a whole different business model that doesn't exist. Yeah. But for most do, people, are, are retailers in the same queue? Is, is yeah, like, there's no discount. Like you just no. you just buy it to buy it. So you know, if you were going to get some for prizes or to sell in your store or whatever, you buy it like everybody else, right? There, there's no now. There have been a couple of secret layers that were specifically for retail that they ordered and got shipped just to retail stores. Only a couple of them, but they have done that before. But otherwise, they just have to buy them like everybody else. But I, I don't think the number definitely doesn't need to be higher than five and maybe not even higher than three, realistically. You know, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I definitely would say like, hey, let's set, uh, I think at the beginning, one and then let everybody that wants to sit in the queue go through. And then if there are any left over, okay, then you queue up again and, and you get to go again. Yeah, I just say make the most money you can and make the people happy. So, if, and that's why I like having just like a 24 hour window. Cause then it's just like, cool. You just buy what you want to buy. And there's less limit or less reason for people to want to scalp because most of the people who want one will be able to just get one at cost effectively. Right now there will still be value later on. Cause there's always going to be somebody that misses it, but you're not going to be as likely to want to buy 10 knowing that, you may only make a couple of dollars more, you know, because there's going to be enough of them out there. But when it's super limited and we don't know the quantities and it sells out in six hours, when now you're seeing these $150 things already, people are trying to make $350, $400 off of them. So like, it's a whole different window. And that encourages people to want to scalp, which is 
you know, not really what anybody wants. But let's get into the soapbox because there are a few things here. And the first thing for me <laughs> is people asking me about the silly game of flip it or rip it. For those of you who don't know what it is, basically you take a pack of cards, you take turns picking cards, and they have to decide if they're going to keep it or if they're going to tear it, whatever. Obviously, the rip it part of it. And if it's something valuable, it just gets ripped, and that's kind of the excitement for people. Now, you do have to be a bit of a gambler, and you have to have some money to waste to want to do this, or else it's going to make you feel real bad, obviously. But this recently came up because somebody did this with, I believe it was a Ravnica Remastered pack. I think it was a Life from the Loam. And it was one of the, uh, whatever we're calling the limited versions that are one of 500 or whatever. And I think it was number like 27 of 500 or whatever. Ended up getting ripped. And people are like, ah, what do you think about this? So somebody ripped one of these cards and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay. But think about it like this. One, it's not my money. I don't get to tell somebody else how to spend it and what they want to do with it, right? You can... I see people waste money on so many things. Hell, people think we waste money as gamers, right? They don't understand us buying cards or D&D books or video games or whatever. They think that's all a waste of money. So, eh, like you're spending it how you want to spend it. The other thing is, if I had one of those one of 500 Life from the Loams, mine is now worth a little bit more because I know for sure at least one is torn. So now I have one of 499, <laughs> right? Of the ones that have gotten open, because some of those will probably even be destroyed and never be open or just sit in storerooms forever in packs. Who knows what? But of ones that are known to be open, I know one's at least gone. So you kind of did me a favor, you know, in a weird way. So, like, no, I'm not mad at it. Like, I mean, I see people buying packs of Marlboro and just smoking them up. Like, that's effectively rolling up a dollar and lighting it on fire. That's their money. I'd never do it. but whatever <laughs> right like i don't know like i i can't get like do i think it's a silly thing yes but do i care that anyone's doing it not really like and i, I mean, think silly is a form of entertainment like jim carrey movies are silly but they make millions of dollars yeah if, Am if, I if there's no danger of something valuable getting ripped then you really because it's you know it's almost like it's the car wreck effect or train wreck if you will where if you watch 10 of those videos and you don't see something valuable get destroyed you walk away disappointed like i know people I'm not, I'm not gonna name any names but i do have friends who watch the olympics to watch people fall it's the only part they enjoy is watching somebody trip over the hurdle or, you know, wipe out with their figure skate. And they're not alone with that. NASCAR. How many people watch NASCAR? Because they, especially if, if hopefully nobody gets seriously injured, just like to watch the cars pile up. That's true. You're not wrong on any of those things. I, I know people like that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. For me, I just look at it and say, at the end of the day, who does it hurt? You know? That's the thing. Like, is it really harming anybody by them doing that? And the answer is no. Like, it's their money. Most of the time, stores that they do it at encourage people to do it because they're selling packs. Some of them even do it at like a 50 cent discount or something because they know they're going to move more packs from people just opening stuff mm -hmm. and ripping cards. So, if anything, they're making other cards more valuable by destroying those cards. So, they're doing you a favor. Now, admittedly, 
it's a 0.0001% favor, but like still increasing the value of your stuff by you not even being aware that it happens. And like and, you said, it's, you know, it's gambling and gambling is a multi-million. Some people sure. just like that thrill of, ooh, I might, you know, I, I, I might get a thing that's cool or I might tear a thing that's cool in half. And again, who are we to tell people how to enjoy, how to spend their money and how to enjoy their hobby as long as they're not hurting anybody, anybody else? The other, the other thing, too, though, is I see a ton of cards thrown away every year. Right. I'm also guilty of it. When I buy collections, I go through, figure out what I want to keep, what I can sell. If I have friends that are looking for stuff, if there's kids at the local stores that maybe just need some starter cards or whatever. Cool. But at some point I end up sitting on several long boxes or five row boxes of cards that I just can't give away fast enough sometimes. So you know what I do? They go in the trash or to the dump when I go get rid of everything else. I'm sure lots of people have done something similar to this. I put the box of cards on top of the car, talked to my friends, forgot oh, the bro, box of cards, like, and then drove off. Dude, when I had the shop, the number of times I would find cards, just like that was a multiple times a year thing. Mm-hmm. Just find cards, something out there, and you know exactly what happened. Right. <laughs> like, now, the thing we did that most people didn't do, because we're stupid, is once we I pulled off a little ways to realize, you know, people are pointing, oh, but hey, what you do? We stood there in Shreveport in the middle of the highway for about 30 minutes, picking up as many as we could. Fortunately, I haven't seen anybody have to scramble on the highway. I've seen people, like I said, scramble in the parking lot because, you know, the wind's blowing or whatever. Yeah. They got to grab their stuff. But I haven't haven't seen it's it on just, the highway. Well, That's one tough. of my youngest, dumbest moments right there. <laughs> I shouldn't be alive right now. Fair. I, man, if we want to get into that topic, I have like 20 <laughs> things I could put there that should have killed me. But yeah, let, let's see what you got. I'm done. That's flip it and rip it for me. Okay, game. Uh, we told you about the several episodes ago now, and I think we kind of all knew this was hap- going to happen at some point because it launched with zero hype, especially in comparison to the property. DC Dual Force is dead. As I said, that's not a shock because it just... I really feel like this is another case of WB deciding something was dead before it launched as they did with the Batgirl movie and a couple of TV shows because Warner Brothers is one of the largest entertainment conglomerates in the world. If they want you to know they're launching a card game, rest assured you'll hear about it. They own networks, multiple networks, DC comic. I don't think I saw an ad for this in a comic. I don't remember seeing very many ads on again. And I watch, you know, this is what I do for I watch all the geeky things, play all the games, read all the books, and I don't think in the time this thing was alive, I saw ten ads for it. You had to basically, first of all, I think I happened to see a press release on the gaming site, and then from there, that was the only time I found out about. If I went specifically to a site that covered it or to a YouTube channel that covered it. And because apparently the announcement that it was gone was a couple of weeks ago, but I hadn't played recently as I guess a lot of people haven't and just uh, found out that it was dying. I will say they, for people that are still playing, they've upped the rewards so you can just grind cards really. And I think it officially shuts everything down February 29th. Uh, They're not going to let you obviously spend any, buy any gems, spend any more things, but yeah, this really, 
could have been done so much better, but I have no confidence that WB actually wanted this game to do well because we've seen no evidence that they wanted to do well. It's almost like, I don't even, like that could be part of it, right? That it was sabotaged out of the gate. But I also wonder if a lot of the people with WB, the executives, have any understanding of the actual like nerd market. <laughs> right because there's no way this game should have launched without any consideration for mobile also tr- definitely like, true it just shouldn't have like when you're their number one competitor has been out for i think going on three years now marble snap's been around like so you knew what people were playing you knew what people liked you knew what was out there you know that all the other good card games whether we're talking about pokemon magic Yu-Gi-Oh, whatever have digital handheld components right so like why wouldn't you have that built in for that again that, that assumes you want the game to succeed and i'm i think somebody might have looked at this before the project ever launched and decided we're writing this off on our taxes so yeah just and, let and, it, I, and i'll let say this die. too while the game was neat because i think it really was it was more complex at times than it needed to be And I don't think that works in its favor. You know, I think we see so many games, and we've talked about it before. We both love Versus System, and that was a fun game with superheroes and stuff. But the reality is, it was almost too advanced for an average player to really just dive right in and understand all the strategy. And I felt that a little bit when I watched all the games played and stuff about DC Dual Force. Like, they tried to be kind of really creative, and you can do this combination with these characters. And, and do that, this. to me, was the appeal, you know, is that nobody else has done a thing where you combine two comic book characters. And, yeah, obviously, you can make the obvious combo of, you know, Superman and Batman. But you can also, if you want to put together Superman and Lex Luthor, see how that works, if it works. Because I... The, 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 the main thing I want to unlock enough cards to do now before February 29th is uh, do uh, uh, hard traveling heroes, Green Lantern and Green Arrow. I have yet <laughs> to pull either a Green Lantern or a Green Arrow card. I got a month. You know? Oh, sure. I think conceptually it's a neat idea. I just think there were simpler ways to implement almost everything I saw in the game. And I think that's what bothered me. Just like. I'm going like, but why does it have to be like this? Like, why can't this just be a number? Or if this happens, why isn't this just automatic? Or, you know, like, I kept asking myself all these questions. And I'm like, this might just be too much for a lot of people to really dive into when the other option is Marble Snap that you can play on Steam, on your phone, on your PC, you know, and just swipe through games every, hell, three and a half, four minutes, I think is how long games take on there. So, like, cool. But that's what you're competing against. And if you can't, I don't think you have to be as fast or, but you, if you aren't as simple and easy to get, like it's, you just didn't have a shot. And then again, I'm hoping there's a market for basically kind of like almost like chess with superheroes. That market I feel like is out there and should be explored. And again, I think if DC had, or Warner Brothers had bothered to tell anybody this game was out there, I will say it was especially at launch. Very buggy, and again, that speaks to how much budget was put into it. If they, if, if you go say, hey, we need such and such, or we need a couple more people, and Warner Brothers' response is, no, nah, if you. Yeah, that is true. It had a lot of problems right out of the gate, and that didn't help it either. 
Because obviously, you know, if Warner Brothers like it, they're going to make a Superman movie. And if James Gunn says, hey, I need a little bit more money, he's going to get more money because they are determined that their Superman movie, that's kind of where it all begins. You need Superman to be a success and everything else in the DC Universe builds off of that. Yeah, you know, to one of your other points, there is something to be said that there's a market for some complexity. I think the problem is how much money in any type of game or environment, like, is that market worth? Because continually we see the things that are the largest tend to not be the complex things, right? It's Ellen gaming. And a lot of times it's stuff where you're talking about like your Pokemons of the world. Hell, even among us, you know, whatever, yeah. right? Like it's the things that aren't complex that end up being the pop culture hits that end up making all the money. But then yeah. Yu-Gi-Oh! Good God, is there any card game more complicated than Yu-Gi-Oh! And the majority of its audience is 10-year-olds! Dude, let me tell you this though about Yu-Gi-Oh! Yu-Gi-Oh! I believe is really living so much off of the property itself because, you know, still the cartoons, the video games, whatever... And the collectability of it, because they still make every set has the whatever the the super okay, secret. Okay, so yeah, rare, if, they, if they could do whatever. that with with, uh, <laughs> the, with a before the card game of the anime, incredibly obscure Japanese property, you telling me you can't do that with Superman and Batman? You should be able to. I mean, honestly, like we said, I, I they should have been able to do it with Versus System, you know. Right? But, but I have just, to, as, as somebody that was a fan of Versus System, I would grant you it is entirely or was entirely too complex. The and newer that, version, and has I like Versus System. Yeah, but you could literally, it was possible to lose the game during the formation step. You could watch two people play, and as soon as somebody lined up their characters correctly, like, yeah, he lost. Dude, <laughs> I said that before. Over. I was I was in one of their ten Ks, maybe in Houston, and literally on turn two, I saw how the dude made his formation. I went. Oh yeah, we're gonna be done in like ten minutes. Right. Right. Like, how are you? I didn't say it out loud, but in my head, I'm like, oh yeah, this guy has no idea, right? Right. Like nothing should be that way. Like no game at that level is going to be popular among the average player. It's right. just not. Like right? we talk about, that's part of why magic is popular. Because hey, you can be the best player in the world, but if you don't draw any mana, you can get kicked in the face real fast. But also, what helps it is the base level magic. You can play a decent game of magic. Right. Like you can get the starter deck, you can figure it out and play and it's great, whatever. But then you can get as complex as you want. Yeah. Like the base level isn't complex where I think it versus system. The base level already had to be very strategic. Right. And I think that's what hurt it. But yeah, man, dual force. Tough, tough. And sadly, this means you're probably not going to get a DC game for quite a while. Because anytime there's a failure in something, they always look at that and go, yeah, but we just tried that. You know, even though, even if it's different. (laughs) And I've lost track. You know, DC was part of the Versus System license. I'm sure the bean counters at DC are going to count that as a collectible card game failure, even though it wasn't just DC. There was a whole lot of properties tied to that 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 also went down that path. But yeah. Yeah. Speaking of, for anybody who wants to play it, Versus System still exists. It's just now in like a box set game more than a collectible game yeah. now. And which, I think uh, they, they've added, in addition to, you know, comic book superheroes and cartoon people, they added AEW wrestlers. So if you've ever wondered yeah. if Captain America can, can beat Kenny Omega, hey, you can have that matchup now. 
You know, I might do Captain America versus Danhausen. Right. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's talk about some other stuff because we do actually have some interesting and good news here in our uh, What Did We Learn segment. So what do you got, dude? Yeah, WWE 2K24 has started announcing uh, kind of their promotional push for things. And one of the uh, covers we're going to get, I believe the cover of the Deluxe Edition is going to feature, for the first time, two women on the cover. And the women are uh, Bianca Belair and Rhea Ripley, who if you uh, watch any WWE at all, you know they are incredibly popular both have won multiple titles at this point bianca has had one of the well, i mean they've both at this point had two of the best matches in wrestlemania history i believe bianca's was covered by espn because it was the first time that two black women had headlined the, the main event in one of the pay-per-views so yeah and the, the video of them finding because they thought they were told they were just going to be going to do like a dlc holiday photo shoot and then when they get there like oh no actually you're going to be on the cover. Right? So definitely, if you're a fan, go watch that. It is a super cute video. And for anybody that cares, because this is, you know, multiple, multiple additions to things is the way we go now. Cody Rhodes is going to be on the, I guess, the, I forget what they're all called. But yeah, if you love Cody Rhodes, and a lot of people do, you can get his Finish the Story edition or whatever. But yeah. And also, they announced a lot of new game modes. They're bringing back the, uh, I say they're bringing back. I don't know if they've ever had ambulance matches in the game before. And I play I almost every year. Don't believe so. Gauntlet match, gauntlet match. Well, before it wouldn't back. even have been an ambulance match. It'd have been a local medical facility vehicle match. <laughs> right. The crazy wrestling rule. But they so far confirmed ambulance match. Uh, cast the Undertaker's favorite, the casket match. So they're really like they're doing a lot of uh, fun stuff. On oh, also, they're good. The story mode is going to be forty years of WrestleMania. So it's going to be that's cool. Huge. You get to play, you know, Hogan versus Andre. I think it's been spoiled. Basically, some of the best matches in WrestleMania history, like Hogan, Andre, obviously. And I'm sure at some point during that match, you'll have to do the whole Ken Hogan slam Andre the Giant <laughs> minigame. Uh, Razor Ramon versus Shawn Michaels, and then the one that really popularized ladder matches. So, yeah. You know it what's looks crazy? Like, I'm sitting here thinking, like, it's kind of surprising there wasn't a, like, trish lita cover back when they were doing like smackdown versus raw or something obviously a missed opportunity but you know that there wasn't even like a becky and charlotte one somewhere along the way you know what i mean because i feel like there's been some big opportunities yeah. like i'm just like it just goes to speak to how women even women that are out there crushing it like I said, the bianca and sasha thing was all over espn but yeah. sometimes just women especially you know women of color just do not get the same opportunities a lot of the time and you know so credit to since triple h took over like slowly getting more attention to the women's tag division right. slowly getting longer women's matches like they're they're starting to get i don't know say equal but at least significantly yeah. more tv time compared I think to what part of the reason it didn't happen before is, is because you know while trish and alita were doing incredible stuff sadly during the attitude era so much of it was bra and panties matches. Oh, dude, just... I'm talking about even just the end of the Vince era. We had so many, like, three-minute women's matches. You know, they'd come yeah. out, and they're over by the time they started. And you're just going like, oh. And that so was a title it match? It, it's unfortunate, like... but it goes in cycles where, like, oh, all of a sudden, women's wrestling is, is in again. And it's unfortunate because the women work 
just as hard, or let's be honest, the women work harder than the men. Oh, no lie. Because they and have to, to get the same amount of TV time. And those ain't frail ladies. Like, most no. of them could whoop me, so. Right. You know, like, just being real about it. Like, I'm pretty <laughs> sure Rhea's going to start wrestling the guys soon, because she had, wouldn't surprise me. the physical stature well, to do that. And not to spoil anything for people, but she might be wrestling some of the dudes in Judgment Day soon, the way <laughs> things are true. going, so. We'll see. So yeah, congratulations to, to to Cody, Rhea, and Bianca. Excited to see what uh, other stuff. Like uh, the game really looks great this year. I'm excited about it. Well, you know, it's funny. I guess on the same topic of fighting stuff or fighting games, I came across a weird bit of culture that I didn't know existed in the gaming community, and this is for fighting games specifically. Because I did, as I saw somebody mention it, I didn't really even know what they were referring to. I had to read a couple different threads on things and kind of get the scope of, of what was happening. But apparently, there's a behavior where if two people battle each other who are streaming, or at least one of them is streaming, and the streamer loses, the winner of the match will show up in their stream and try to offer them fighting tips. Which is like the most rude, like 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 one you might have just gotten lucky or whatever, and, you know who knows? Or you Maybe they're distracted. The they're just a character where you just hit yeah. <laughs> hit two buttons repeatedly. There's a you know, and there and even in fighting it, there's some characters that are better against other characters, whatever, yeah. right? Like it could even just been that simple. But the fact that the their fighting game culture is developed to the point that like it's acceptable to go just be a troll after you beat somebody when they're live and trying to do their job is wild. Like, I mean, the fighting game <laughs> community takes a lot of hints from the wrestling community. And to be honest, they're all are kind of are inspired by street fighter, which was inspired by enter the dragon. And of course, you know, Bruce Lee it was his whole thing. It was very showy, you know, very, very, very elaborate, very like, I could have beat you six moves ago, but I'm going to make this look good. <laughs> you know. I mean, I guess, but I'm just thinking like, let me be live. We play a game, you show up and you're like, oh, hey, that was me. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool, man. Good game. And you're like, well, you know what could happen? I'm like, nah, I ain't got time for you, dog. Like, get out of here. <laughs> but, but I get it. That's, that's just part of the culture right like and mm -hmm. people know it's a thing like it annoys a few people but like it's just what it is right i just find that so amusing that you know for as much as we talk about how we operate even within our own gaming culture like even each subculture has its own behaviors that other yeah. people may not understand right so which is funny to know because if i just started playing let's say the new street fighter or something and dude realizes I'm streaming and hops in my stream is like, oh, well, if you'd have done this and this, I'd be like, who is this dude? Like, why is he coming up all in here? Like, you know, but that would have been normal. You know, like, it's such a wild thing. But just like beating somebody and then showing up be like, hey, you want any tips? Like, okay, I guess. That is like, the fighting gang community. And I remember one year I was watching Evo and the competitor that won it was pretty obvious that English was not his first language. So they, they did the interview. And again, he chose to learn two words of English for the end of this interview. And he looks at the camera with a big grin and goes, download complete, which is, of course, <laughs> one of the most infamous taunts in the fighting game community. Oh, that's so, a, yeah, I mean... it just <laughs> The fighting game community is full of... And, there are definitely people who go over, and it, 
I know for a lot of people, especially watching from the outside, it can be often hard to determine where the edge is, you know, where you, you cross the line from kind of trolling to, okay, now you're a total a-hole. And yeah, yeah, they don't always get it right, <laughs> to be certain. That ain't no, that, that line's real thin. <laughs> like, so. <laughs> but yeah, I just found it interesting. Something I didn't know existed, even though, I mean, I knew about the fighting games and the culture and the big tournaments, but I never knew about this behavior around streaming or whatever. Like, that's something else altogether different. But, you know, just goes to show, not every culture, even within a group of people, is is the same. And this is why we get to do the things we do. But let's talk about something good that Twitch did this week. So, you know, we like to say around here, like, we're going we're gonna to complain when it's bad. We'll praise it when it's good. And Twitch did a thing this week that I would say overwhelmingly is being considered good. So... The bad part of this announcement, if we'll call it a bad part, is that now on your Twitch Prime subs, you're going to lose an additional like 25 cents. So where you would get 250 of the $5 sub because it was the free one or whatever, like you'll get 225. Which sounds bad, but like, you know, for the average person, that's kind of probably going to be losing less than like three to five dollars a month or whatever for a lot of people. Even if you have like 50 subs or something, you're like six, seven bucks. Not that big a deal. Not on the grand scheme of things. But the reason this was accepted as okay is because they made a level now where you can actually get a 60-40 split instead of a 50-50 split. So if you get to 100 sub points, and basically when somebody subscribes, they can subscribe at one, two, or third level. So each of those are worth an additional point. But you get 100 points worth of subs, you can get to the 60-40 split. So now you're just making more money anyway, even losing that extra 25 cents. But then they also made it easier for more people to hit the 70-30 split, which we all, if you've been following us or you follow any streamers, the 70-30 was like the thing they gave partners and then they kind of took it away or were threatening to take it away and then they settled it. Okay, you can have 70-30 up to $100,000. Then after that, it's 50-50. There was a whole thing. Well, now to get to the 70-30, you only need 300 sub points where before it was 350. I think you still would, at that point, you would reach the partner level anyway. So you're a partner with Twitch or whatever. And then you get the 70, 30 and it's not capped. So there's no longer the hundred K. So if you happen to be one of those people that can stream every day and you get, I don't know, 50 subs a day or whatever the thing is, like you can make all the money you can make. So overall, this ended up being a really good announcement for people. Like my quick take was people like me that aren't doing a ton of streaming every day. I'm just doing it a few times a month. Now I lose a little bit, but it's a very small amount of money. When I do the math, I'm probably going to lose five or six bucks a month tops. That's not that big a deal. If it unlocks the opportunity for the people who are on there streaming three to five times a week or more in some cases, to get an extra, like increase their revenue in some cases, 20%, or if you go to 70, 30, I mean, that could be a whole 40, 50% increase for some people. So giving those opportunities for me to make a little less, because basically to Twitch as a streamer, I'm barely above the hobby level, right? I'm doing enough that I bring an audience. I can make some money off of it, but it's not a significant portion of my monthly income, right? But for the people that are streaming, like we're saying three, five days a week, regular schedule that's part of their income for real like that's a job for them and if they can get a 60 40 split plus man i'm for it 
Like this, this felt like a pretty good announcement. It's definitely, yeah. This is, as you said, credit when when they do something good. And lately, they seem like they have been making a lot of announcements that people are here for. So this this is another one that sounds like this is going to be good for this. And a lot of it comes, you know, while Kick is kind of a wretched hive of scum and villainy, it is competition, and and it's making them go harder. Because let's be honest, you know, lots of people have attempted to compete with them and not done so well. Kick is around and apparently rumor is that LeBron is going to start streaming and there may be a bidding war for his services. So yeah, this is going to be, these are wild times, man. Let me tell you if I'm kick Twitch, YouTube, whatever. I mean, I'm probably just backing up the Brinks truck. If I'm any of LeBron's PR people, I'm telling him to not be associated with kick, but yeah. But I mean like if Twitch or YouTube want you like, yeah. I mean, they're signing over a couple million, right? Mm-hmm. If they can get you to I mean, stream LeBron even one time on a the week. curb for less than what I'm easily, you know, eight figures. Yeah, but I mean, at least once a week, all you need him to stream, and right. while he's on, that's got to be a half a million people on. Because once he does it, you know, he'll be able to get anybody else in the NBA to come on and do it. Yeah. Well, that that becomes the thing, right? Because now it's just who's even going to be a guest on his stream. Exactly. It turns into the Manning cast. You know, who's going to be, who's playing Call of Duty with LeBron this week? Yeah, that's crazy. So, yeah, I mean, this is a little bit of a weird timing because it does come, you know, a week or two after they announce their layoffs and all that. Uh, I think they say it's excellent. From a PR standpoint, excellent timing. Those were probably timed where they were timed because they knew they'd need a win immediately after announcing layoffs. Yeah, this is is big news. I think people that have been on the fence, people that were kind of deciding where they wanted to stream – People who felt a little wronged that, you know, they're getting to be a partner level, but those rewards weren't there anymore. Maybe now they're going to stick with Twitch and stream a little bit more. You know, so, yeah, the stream stream wars might be back on. <laughs> like, not everybody's going to be jumping ship, but that was that was a pretty good one. But, you know, since we did mention layoffs, let's go ahead and just knock that bit out so we can get that out the way. Because this has become our nearly weekly announcement of somebody having layoffs in the tech space. And this time, it was gaming companies. Technically, I guess Microsoft is an everything company now. But they had some. But the big ones this week were from Riot that I think surprised people. Because I don't think everybody really knew that was coming. And this is going to sound weird. But Riot effectively had the best layoffs I, there's not a good i don't even know how you word this right because layoffs are never good but they kind of did like the nicest layoff you could do so i'm going to bring up their website just so so we can talk about it but they did a thing where they explained first off like why they're laying everybody off like hey we're having to eliminate these roles because we gambled in 2019 on some different initiatives they didn't work and we can't just keep spending money on the things not working which to their credit you're basically saying we spent three and a half to four years trying to get these new things going this is why we did a big hiring round of folks didn't go the way we wanted that's unfortunate but we got to let these people go they even explained like we're they put this out and they said within an hour or two, everybody who was not going to have their position was going to be notified via email. 
they didn't like doing that, but because of them being global and this, that, and the other, this is why they have to do it the way they do. And they're setting up interviews with people so they can figure out processes, anything they need to apply for. They're giving everybody six months minimum salary as part of their severance pay. So whatever your salary is, is, you're getting that that for at least six months. Now, if you've been there longer and you have longer severance or whatever, like that'll just, you'll get more pay there. As as somebody that that has been laid off, like, yeah, that's way more. Yeah, for real. Like you're still set while you're job hunting, which is awesome. You get a cash bonus. They said they're all for equal to 1% or 1X, so 100% of your individual annual performance bonus target. Even if you joined within the last year. So you weren't even there to normally be eligible for the bonus. You're still going to get the full bonus that people would get. They're going to cover your health benefits for at least six months or as long as your release benefits last or whatever. They have a wellness and play fund, they called it, which I didn't know existed at Riot. And that some people have planned having those expenses in their life for various things. So they said they're going to offer an additional $1,000 with that fund to cover whatever they would have during that time. I'm like, man, this is this is good stuff, right? It could have stopped there and been way better. But they have even Absolutely. more. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could have stopped two steps ago and it would have been way more than any newspaper or website ever gave me. <laughs> oh, no doubt. The to the butt. They also have an equity stake in there. So if you had anything... So what people don't know is when you... Work for companies, sometimes part of your 401k or investments are getting shares of the company that you can't do anything with until they become vested after a certain amount of time. So what they're saying is they're going to give everybody vested interest in those straight up. So if you have any money in there and those accounts, you're just going to get them, right? Awesome. They also acknowledge that sometimes job hunting it's going to be difficult if you don't have a laptop and whatever. So you have to turn in your work laptop. But if you need a laptop at home, the IT department will give you a refresh laptop. You can just take with you. And you keep all your peripherals. So, you know, you have your perfect headset, mouse, keyboard, whatever you use. You just get to keep that. And then they have career support for six months. So job placement services, career coaching, networking, all that included. So they'll have it set up so you can, they'll help you try to get a job for the next six months. And then they have something called the Rider Assistance Program, which I didn't know was even a thing, but apparently it's something they have. It's a 24-7 service, they say. You still get access to it for three months after leaving Riot that has, and I think it's just, it's like a mental health type benefit thing. So you still get that for three months. And then if you were in the middle of a program that required getting a visa or anything else that you were in the process of because you were trying to move countries over, they're still going to help with visa support because obviously you didn't know you were going to be in the middle of all this and that happening. So they still want to make that happen. And then they're not even immediately going to cut off your email access. So if you still have connections and other thing, whatever, you can still use that for a couple of months while getting all your stuff set up. This is by far the best thing I've ever seen when somebody's been released from a job. No joke. Like I, I wish that had become the industry standard, but we know better. <laughs> dude, like them, this, like, okay, the fact that they open and saying like, hey, this is why we brought all these people on. But the thing we want to do just didn't work. And we gave it time and we're just not there. So we got to let them go. 
but we don't want them to be wronged because they came in to try to help us with this project. And they so, did incredible. Every one of those games, I think, that came out of Riot Forge, or at least it's been released. I think they have a couple of projects that aren't, but everything has been reviewed incredibly. Legends of Runeterra got great yeah. reviews. I think uh, the role playing, I believe it's called the Ruin King, the role playing game they did got great reviews. So it, it wasn't that they didn't do good work. It's just, you know, it is all, as we see from all these layoffs, it is a hard time to break in if you're not. You know, Call of Duty, Dude, League we, of Legends. we've been saying that, right? Like, this is, last year was one of the best years for games, and so many of them just couldn't get playtime. Yeah. Like, you have so many big hitters right now. It's hard, man. It's hard. Especially when you lay that on top of, you know, Call of Duty is going to hit its number every year. Madden is going to hit its number mm-hmm. every year. And so many, I mean, the, the top 10 best-selling games almost, you know what they are before the year starts it's sad but it's, yeah it's the truth yeah you know at least half the list <laughs> i'd say you're more than half you know call of duty's gonna be up there this past year you obviously do mario legend of zelda and spider-man yeah. taking three of the spaces that's you say there's already five you again you know madden and fifa are gonna be near the top that's true everybody else is at this point battling to get into the top 20 it's tough. This is what we've been saying, man. Like it, that, that it's a case of, we just have an embarrassment of riches, right? Too many good things. Mm-hmm. Not everything can be enjoyed or too many popular things. Cause I'll be the yeah. fucker to tell somebody that plays Madden every year. It's not always good, but it's going to always fair numbers. Cause there's no other licensed NFL game for you to play. I, I think we can say that we live in a period with more legacy products than there probably have ever been. And there's a huge pull toward the legacy products because they're safe, right? I'm always going to have people to play with with those games. Like, they're never Call going away. Yeah, the servers are never going to get yep. shut down, right? Like, I know my investment is good here. No matter what in-game, DLC, whatever I buy, it's always useful. Call of Duty was had, had reviewed so badly, they were making jokes about it at the uh, Game Awards. <laughs> yep. Kratos, I think, said one of his uh, his acceptance speech last year, because he did go on for forever, was longer than Call of Duty Modern Warfare's campaign. And they were upset, but that was a good joke. <laughs> and, 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 every, and everybody still lines up to buy the next Call of Duty. Exactly. So, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, y'all y'all cry tears into your fistfuls of money. Activision yep. Blizzard. We've said that Microsoft. before. We, we can talk <laughs> Microsoft all the trash we want. Blues. But if we keep buying the things, they can keep doing whatever the hell they want because we're not punishing them for doing it. But let's talk about another interesting project from Magic here. For those of you who don't know, I don't know how you don't know if you're following our show and play Magic, but Murders at Karlov Manor comes out in a couple of weeks. And... There was something interesting that happened that kind of brought up a little bit. I won't call it conspiracy theory, but a little bit of an interesting thought. But this is probably the most value I remember seeing out of Commander decks on release day out of a set in a very long time. The lowest value right now of these decks is about $140, with two of them being in the ballpark of 200 ish, 170, 190. And then one being around 300, which is kind of crazy value for these decks. But 
it got me wondering why are they so high? Now, I will acknowledge we're expecting the price on these to drop at least around 30% or so. Once more, the printings of some of these cards come out, you know, they'll, the prices will drop. Now, I will also say, though, some of these prices are because some of the new cards are just going to be sought after and the new cards are just valuable. But then I started thinking, Outlaws at Thunder Junction comes out on April 19th, which is only about nine weeks. Yeah, so this is a very small window of time that Murders at Karlov Manor is going to get to have the spotlight, so to speak. That may wonder if the goal here was to just juice everything, right? Because even with the theme, you weren't, I imagine it was, they weren't totally sure, right? This probably felt like a gamble on doing a set based around a murder mystery and all this. Especially if you end up revealing the killer before the set releases. It's just a Fair. weird thing. But if you're going to do that, and you know it's not going to hit necessarily... You're loading up this clue product with special shock lands or whatever to make that so, which apparently is working and pre-orders are solid from the stores I've talked to. You made a lot of cards in the set, very interesting, different, some popular characters, got cool cards, you know, so that's already going to drive some hype. And then you've got your commander decks that are, I don't know if it's an all-time high, but definitely had no less than a top three in value right out of the gate. Maybe this was done purposely to say, like, hey, let's just jam-pack all this stuff so you can't ignore it for this 9-10 week window we've got. Because that's the only explanation I have, because these are just crazy valuable. Like, almost surprising at the cards they decided to stick in some of these. But, hey, valuable for the players, which is awesome. The concern I have is how many players are going to be able to find these anywhere close to, like, the $40, $50 retail value for these decks. I don't know what that answer is. Like, you're probably going to have one, if you can afford it, buy them by the set, so you can just get the discount for buying all four of them together and not have to worry about chasing down a certain one. But, I mean, if you want the most expensive one, say at your local store, that's probably going to get swiped up as fast as possible. So even if your store opens up, say, 10 sets of them to sell, the most expensive one's going to go out quick unless they price that one up. You know, it's like I this this is the tough part when people say, oh, they could just put it in a commander deck. Like these are the scenarios that occur when you get super expensive commander decks. Right. And I think people just think it's a matter of like, oh, just put it in there. You can give people all this value. And like theoretically, yes. But because the secondary market exists, things don't work that way. Right. If a retailer puts out a bunch of decks in this case that are let's say average of $150 a deck or whatever, uh, like they're not going to sell for $45. They're just not. Like at that point, they'd make more money just opening them. Even if they just sold the top five or 10 cards out of there and keep the, keep the rest for inventory, they'd still make more money. So why would they sell them at $40, $45? You know what I mean? Like, so it's, it's a tough thing, but Credit to Wizards for at least juicing these with value. I don't know if it's the best plan, but it ain't bad. <laughs> like, that's all I know. Like, this is this is a weird spot to be in, man. I don't know. Like, I know you don't buy that many Commander decks, so this probably isn't going to affect you very much. But how do you feel about Commander decks just being super expensive in, in their built-in secondary value? I have... <laughs> 
in so many ways almost given up trying to to understand the whole economy of commander like it's casual right why are we spending all like no unless you do competitive commander which again seems to me to defeat the whole purpose of commander so it's just it's fun to play but god it, it makes my head hurt so much yeah i i mean i get in these discussions with people all the time it's like i like when there is value there but it, to me it almost feels like there needs to be a cap before it starts to create retail issues and i don't know what that number is but it's probably somewhere around like a hundred dollars maybe 120 bucks so then once the cards get reprinted, the price comes down to, I don't know, maybe 70 or 80. But when you're at this high, I mean, when the lowest one right now is like $140. Yeah. Like, and admittedly, I'm somebody who, you know, my deck that I'm going to play standard with probably isn't, not even probably isn't worth $100. So the concept of I will possibly tell you this. having a two or $300 deck for an allegedly casual format just, just... I will tell you, I just bought some singles to build some stuff for standard from some decks I built. On, on arena and thought they were cool i bought the deck and some cards to turn that into another deck and i have not spent i don't even think i spent 150 dollars. so i basically have two decks for that price <laughs> and that includes shipping and all the extra crap i had to get yeah. not even just the price of the card so oh. that's worth less <laughs> than the commander decks are yet the that are brand new these- retail you get when we do these stories about what Bank of America says about it, that they always are able to find players like, well, you have to spend $600 for a good deck. And like, no, Whoa. you definitely don't. You definitely don't. And especially like if you're blown up yeah, too like, much, like if you're trying to qualify for competitive play, okay, sure. yeah, sure. You would expect to spend it. But if you're just going and playing your local Friday Magic, you know, why would you need no, that? no. <laughs> But yeah, it's just something to keep an eye on. I was saying if you do want to pre-order them, you may want to jump on it a little bit if you can find a deal, talk to your local store so you're not left out in the cold because these might get swiped up pretty quick. All right, our last story I want to cover before we get to the dinner table is just more of something to note that's out in the world that a lot of people may not be paying attention to. But I already read a story a couple of weeks ago about Meta wanting to buy up all of these AI chips that NVIDIA was making. And several companies have bought them, not just Meta, but Meta has bought the biggest shipping allotment of them. I believe it was a lot. I want to say the number was like 300 and some thousand. And they want to buy more as the year goes on. They want to have the largest cache of these AI chips that NVIDIA makes, which I'm like, okay, cool. They're trying to do Metaverse stuff and all that. Like, it seems a little okay. But whatever they spent, like, like Metaverse, I believe, is literally losing like 15 billion a year, some whatever dumb number right now. So, doesn't surprise me they want to spend that on it. But then, just a couple days ago, I saw that Google, Microsoft, and NVIDIA are now working with the US government for AI projects. So, definitely going to have more chips being bought up. NVIDIA obviously having to produce some more for either of these companies or the government at some point. I bring this up as a gamer because we've already gone through a stretch where we had people buying up different video cards and things for at the time, crypto mining and whatnot. This could be a whole different issue that causes problems by the end of the year. We don't know this, obviously. They might have it worked out. They might build new facilities. Who knows what's going to happen. 
But when there's been shortages in supplies and in mining and everything else, we might hit a point where some of these video cards spike again because NVIDIA gets behind or whatever. You might need to be looking at AMD or something if you're building a new machine. I'm just don't know what's going to happen. I just thought it was interesting to note and put it out there into the world that, hey, if you didn't know this was a bit of news, check it out. If you're interested, go read about it. Don't know. I'm not speculating anything. I'm just saying this is a fact that exists. I am. I'm, I'm waiting for either Mark Zuckerberg or his his robot overlord to come over all of our screens and be like, we are now in control of all the Earth's major governments. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe. So please submit your... Uh, submit to it. Uh, I can't even got them. I've not had no sleep to remember the. There you go. Your culture will adapt to serve ours. That's what I'm trying oh, to do. You will adapt to serve the collective. Yeah, I'm. I'm not really speaking because no, who knows what they're going to do with it? I mean, obviously you can use AI a bunch of different ways. I'm more just bringing it up is that it feels like one of those bits that as gamers we would probably ignore and it may not come across our radars, but could affect some of your buying or gaming habits throughout the year potentially so at this point if it says ai it probably needs to be on your radar because yeah. things are happening out there so something just to put it out in the world that's all but here's an interesting question brian and i don't know how you're going to answer this i'm not even trying sure how i'm going to answer this just yet but what would you would say has been the hardest part for you being involved on the business side of gaming I mean, I try to avoid the business. I mean, I'm a writer <laughs> and a speaker, so I would would love to be able to do that and then at the end of the month have a certain amount of money in my bank account, but it has just never been able to work that way. Even mm. when I'm working at, at somebody else's company, they, they just, any of the walls that keep those things separate are disintegrating as you try to figure out how to keep the doors open. For example, one newspaper worked at has had a section called Progress. It was essentially if you bought an ad, you got a story. It was the ickiest. Oh. Or I mean, somebody you know is trying to just, in theory, be an upstanding honest journalist. It was some of the ickiest stuff we did because okay, yeah, some of these people <laughs> just like you know they're essentially you 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 are a reporter and you're you're working for them doing ad copy for however long until the story is finished. Yeah. But also people that had legitimate newsworthy stories would want to know why they weren't in it. And I mean, I don't know. I think everybody had different, but I would tell people like, yeah, this is buy ad, get a story. And, and they'd kind of look at me like I was crazy. Yeah, that's what it is. It's not, yeah. not something we're proud of, but it's what we got to do to keep the doors open. And that's, you know, kind of happening and more and more, not necessarily that kind, but I mean, I remember probably 10, 15 years ago now where GameSpot basically let a couple of people go because they wrote a bad review of Kane and Lynch, Dead Men, and then kind of like, could you, there are, there are banner advertiser. <laughs> could, could you review it a little better? It's, it's getting harder and harder to, to, you know, try to do stuff without the pressure of, of advertising. And well, I mean, like now I'm, <laughs> Look at a dead computer over here. I hate asking y'all for it to see like now Patreon, Patreon right there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just yeah, that's money tough. keeps creeping into the equation. I don't, I don't know, I don't know how I want to word this. Actually, I think for me, I'm gonna word it like the best way I can without one sounding whiny, but 
to sounding also too defensive because I think it's after having to do everything I've done and experience all the things I've experienced, there are definitely times where I have to kind of pump the brakes on processing a situation on if there's a racial undertone or not, because there's a lot of it still out there in gaming that I've encountered and, and the business side of gaming, particularly, you know, as an example, even when I was setting up events at the local convention center multiple times, and I'd already, there'd be times I've already set up stuff. I'm just literally going, Hey, we're going to need the same setup as last time. I know how much it costs. Here's the check. Here's the date we need. It looks like it's clear on the calendar, right? In and out should be it. But if I got the wrong person, then it was like, oh, well, let me check this. And what type of it? And why are you going to need this many people? And why is this thing? So like, where's even, your master, boy? Yeah. Even when I, when I knew that was going to be the case, yeah. I had to like, I made sure to say hi to a couple people coming in or one thing I noticed too, and I'm not going to use real names in case somebody back home is, you know, watching whatever, but let's say one of the convention workers, Larry, saw me talking to this problematic person. They'd come by and be like, oh, how's it going, man? That last event was cool. And y'all took care of us wherever. I'm like, oh man, yeah. And they're like, they'd kind of look all of a sudden and be like, oh, oh wait, you know? Yeah. So like, y'all know each other. And it's like, oh yeah, his yeah. crew was really good. They treat us right, whatever. Just to make it harder for them to give me the business. You know what I mean? Like, and then all of a sudden everything was cool. So it's like, okay, was that just a business thing? Or are you just riding me hard because of the melanin in my skin, right? Like there, and I've told you all the stories about the things people accuse me of and came in like with nothing to blame. I mean, literally, you know, I've got a clean rap sheet, whatever, but you know, hell I literally, I don't know if I ever told this story on the show. If I did, it was for, forever ago. So if you're a new listener, welcome, have fun with this story. But early on, I was one of the TOs for the big Yu-Gi-Oh events and we did, and this is way back when upper deck still had it. So like year one of, or two of the, the product and they were doing these big pre-releases for the first time. And they were going to run these ads that were going to be in like whatever local market you were in. So ours was going to be in the Dallas area because we're setting up at the Fort Worth Convention Center, which they also limited us on the amount of product we can get, which we were like, whoa, time out. This is a terrible idea. Like some of us have huge metro areas that literally millions of kids are going to see this thing. And then you're telling us we can only get product to take care of like, I don't know what the number was, like 600 people or something, right? I'm like, how about we just buy enough to take care of like 2000 people. And then if we get stuck with it, we get stuck with it. That's a gamble I'm willing to take to not have a bunch of pissed off people, but you know, they didn't want to do it. They had a certain thing, whatever, which is dumb because now they're spending this big ad spend that they're wasting the money on. Cause you can't take care of it, but whatever. So the day of the event, we have literally lines of people. They had a certain way we had to run it, which was also not efficient for taking care of that many people. But, you know, we did our best. We went out, we talked to people, tried to make it easy for them, gave them estimated wait times, all this stuff. As we start realizing, okay, we're already getting to the end of the product. We're not going to be able to take care of a bunch of people. Went out, tried to explain to folks, even gave them like IOUs. So the next thing we're running, they can come play for free or half off or whatever it was. Like, so trying to make good by people as best we could under the circumstances. Dead serious had, and they were white country dudes. I don't, I mean, it is what it is. Of course they were. I'm just saying, I, I mean, I got witnesses. I mean, that's, I still talk to today. If you want to talk to those people, this legitly happened. No one, I don't think anybody here is doubting They, they stood right, like got upset about it. 
you know, and I'm still being fresh, like, hey, sorry, we tried to warn you when you got here, just so you wouldn't be waiting in line, because we knew this was possibly going to happen. Because we, even once we knew, we kind of counted the line out and told people, hey, if you're after this spot, there's a good chance you're not going to get to play today, you know, whatever. Dudes literally said, this is why N-Word shouldn't be in charge of running events. Like, in front of God and everybody. And I'm just like, bruh, really? Really? And this is in front of their kids, man. Like, and it was bad. I felt so bad for the kids because the kids legitly did the like, like you know this yeah. has happened before. Kind of looked right. like, oh, dad's in his bag again. Uh, yeah, you know, like you know, like did that That's whole thing. When and you it know was the just kids see this. I mean, it's good that the kids knew to be embarrassed. Yeah, and it's like okay. you know, and even even the other parents were like. Bruh, like, like you yeah. know, like, like you knew right. Even then, the people like, that were mad at you were like, okay, that's you yeah, exactly, and that's there. how you knew the dude was in the wrong. The pe- people were legitly bothered, and then went, "Ooh, we ain't that mad," <laughs> like you no, know, whatever. No. So yeah, but that stuff has happened so many times that now other stuff that pops up, you kind of have to question it, right? Like when I go to buy products from people or whatever, buy cards that they have them posted, and I'm like, hey. I'm even letting them know, like, your stuff is worth a little more than that. And I'm willing to pay some more. You know, I can set up time to come check it out, whatever. You know, they don't respond or they only seem half inch or whatever. And then, like, you see the thing is sold the next day. And it's like, was I not? Like, I mean, I'm giving you more money and offering you more. And I'm like, like, so why did you not want to sell it to me? You know, right? And that happens a few times. I'm like, hell, we're in the same town. I can right? literally come over there in 10 minutes, yeah. you know? That's, that's how much they don't care is because they know you're going to tell this to people. Yeah. I wasn't talking about, like, you know, this is same paper, you know, that we did, buy an ad, get a story. Every Friday, I would go have lunch with one of the local charitable organizations because, you know, if you could get, I get all my stories done because everybody's there. The mayor's there. The police chief's there. Everybody who is anybody in this little, you know, one-horse town is at this meeting. So I would go every Friday. One Friday, I got pulled over. And I knew I had done nothing wrong. Nothing was hanging off the car. Nothing was out of the ordinary. The, the usual. And when, when I kind of inquired as to what I was being pulled over for, the officer told me, well, we've had a lot of car thefts in this neighborhood. Bruh. Bruh. And I couldn't think, you know, I'm I'm literally I'm gonna be if whenever he lets me go in five minutes, I'll be in the room with his mayor, his police chief, and probably whoever his immediate supervisor is. But I couldn't, you know, I didn't want to be like, do you know who I am? Because of course he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you don't want to be that guy. Of course. Not only did I not say anything about that, I didn't drop any names. I went to the meeting. I said nothing to any of the local police because at the end of the day, I'm thinking, you know, this is probably going to cause more headaches for me in the long run than it will change any policies. I do. Please tell me you were driving like an 88 Mercury Cougar thinking like, who stole this? (laughs) It was an old car. It it was a real old car. And yeah, definite who would have stolen this? And now that I'm not telling anybody, I I never, you know, I'm sure that's probably where the road, the the fork in the road went between, you know, serious Pulitzer Prize winning journalist and guy who's going to work at the local paper. I didn't write about it. I didn't. Yeah. um, I I tell it sometimes in venues like this, but for the most part, I just (laughs) put put that in me and say, okay, I'm going to go, go, go get all my stories done. (laughs) Yeah. It's tough because 
and and as much as you know, I mention those stories or whatever, I mostly tell them just for awareness because I don't walk around thinking that every single person's racist or every negative thing that happened is just right. race based or whatever because it's yeah, not some stuff. Some just, just stuff you know, happens. Yeah, some people it's fine. just. But like I said, when those coincidences come up, where it's like I was making a better example, I came better prepared, I did all these extra things, but then it went to this other person who didn't do all that. Like then you kind of have the question of like, because of those past things, you know, so at times I have to like shut that thought out and just like, you know, still got a job to do, you know, when people go, Oh, you should have way more views on you. You should do this. You're doing all I'm like, I get it. I'm just saying, <laughs> like, I don't get to make that call. Right. So it's tough because again, I'm not going to sit here and just say, Oh, well, all these gamers or these companies or whatever are racist. Cause like, you, you don't know everybody. Being passively racist is as bad because, yeah, obviously, you know, the, the, the guys in the Klan uniforms or, you know, hey, we've had car thefts. OK, I know who that guy is. Yeah. The, the people that do as much damage are the ones that claim they don't see color. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, they've got plenty of black friends. They would not in a million years think they're racist. But are they going to signal boost your content? No. Are, but you know, gonna... but we say that about everything, right? Like if if you're going to be that way with women or trans people or whatever, or it, you know, handicapped individuals or whatever, right? That thinking can apply to everything. If you're passive mm-hmm. and you allow things to happen to those people, you're almost as bad as the people that are just being directly terrible toward them. Evil triumphs when good men do nothing is the saying. Yeah, goes. and we got. <laughs> In so many of our communities, how many times have you have you been in that chat where somebody says, you know, N-word or insert, you know, oh, yeah. or hey, go make me a sandwich, and, I, I will tell and you nobody this. says anything. They I don't will, even say, I, hey. I, I will close on this. Despite what the gaming community or gaming as a whole has given me in my life, which is a lot of things, right? I've had the opportunity to run a business. I've gotten to work for great companies. I've met a ton of my friends through gaming. You know, right? So, giving me a lot. There are times I've had to stop and think, what would my successes have been if I wasn't black? Right? Because even that first story I told you, being at Gamma and realizing how unusual it was to be the black business owner in that pile of people and how differently everybody spoke to me, it's like, how many opportunities would I have had if I wasn't? Right? And that's a real question. Like, I've been able to do this despite all these hurdles and all these difficulties. It's like, but what if all those things weren't there? Or what if I got extra help because I wasn't, right? What would that look like? And I don't think I'd necessarily want to change anything because I'm definitely one of those people that I like who I am. I like the people I have around me. Like, I'd definitely be a whole different person if those any of those things along the way changed, the whole butterfly effect thing. But you do wonder sometimes. Like, cause I look at other people and this, this is the the bad part of me here speaking. And so I'm just going to acknowledge it. But like, when I look at other people and I see like, they're struggling when I see all the extra benefits they've gotten and they want to complain about it. And I'm like, if you knew all the things you didn't have to go through, <laughs> you know, and you're still here complaining, like, damn, I would have traded anything to be in your spot at that age or at that part of my journey or whatever. Like, gosh dang if you only knew right like so yeah that that comes up sometimes but would i say i hate it 
No, because like I said, I enjoy what I do. I've, I've learned to adapt and it is what it is. But at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, sometimes you wonder. <laughs> Bunch everybody where they can find you on social media, Brian. I am uh, Brian Sonic on Twitter and Instagram. And I guess yeah, really, again, <laughs> Patreon, <laughs> Color of Magic. See if we can reanimate this, uh, <laughs> this hopefully not brick behind. Sure. And also... Remember to leave a review wherever you're listening to this or watching it. Leave the five star, all that good stuff. But you can find me at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N on most social platforms. But as always, remember to take care of yourselves and your family wherever you're watching. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Remember to be awesome and be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate. Other patreon.com slash color of magic. You can also find us on Facebook under color of magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base. 